um, the book Core 52. Each week uh, there is a new essay and, um, and then David will preach. Um, sometimes it's related to it, sometimes it's loosely tied to that. This week is on chapter 5 talking about holiness. And if you're like me, holiness is not a word you use a whole lot. I don't use the word holy outside of this building. Um, holiness is not something that is typically in our vocabulary. But holiness is generally, when I think of holy, I think of God. But I think that's not me. And so today we're going to talk a little bit about what God has said about holiness and something that I believe that Jesus teaches us about holiness. Uh, the main passage for the week is Leviticus chapter 11, verses 44 and 45. And it says, I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am holy. Do not make yourselves unclean by any creature that moves along the ground. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt to be your God. Therefore, be holy, because I am holy. Now, I said earlier that if there was one thing I thought of when it's holiness, it is God. And we need an awful lot of words in English to try to describe what God's holiness is like. Uh, I, use two, I use two sources that really influenced this sermon. The first was chapter 5 of Core 52. I've heard Mark Moore speak elsewhere at, at CIY Move. I really appreciate um, some of his sermons. And so I, I thought he did a great job with this chapter, with the five-page essay. The second source was on the Bible Project. They put together videos, and they did a, a video on holiness, weaving through the Bible, looking at God's holiness, and purity and how, and how that relates throughout the Bible. And I thought they did a really good job with that. And so those are the two things that I use. I would really encourage you, if you have time after this, to go and to watch the video. And you can go to the Bible Project's website or you can go to YouTube. It's on both of those. And to watch um, their study on holiness. It's five and a half minutes. And one of the things that they said is they compared God's holiness to the sun. That God is good, God is everything that is right and true, and his goodness and power and majesty are so great that it is just this force. And they compared it to the sun, where the sun is good and it gives life to the universe. We cannot have life on this planet without the sun. But if you get too close to the sun, it will harm you. In fact, if you try to go into the sun, we would be obliterated because the sun is just has too much power. And they compared the sun to God's holiness, where God is holy. And it is actually dangerous for us to be close to God's holiness because we are not holy. And so most of the time when we think of Holiness, we think of being morally upright, that God does not sin, that in the, in the character and nature of God is all that is right, and so therefore, 
God is morally upright, and therefore, if we are going to be holy, we need to be morally upright. And God called Israel, the people of Israel, and he said, I, I am your God, be holy, because I am holy. Now this command, God said this several times throughout Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And he told them to go and to consecrate themselves because he is holy. Now, this came, the passage that we read came in the middle of the dietary restrictions, where there are certain things that they should not touch, like decaying flesh, or there are certain things that they should not eat because it will make them unclean. And we are not supposed to enter into the presence of God being ceremonially unclean. And so here we see that, that holiness has to do with being morally upright, but holiness also has to do with what state we are in. And so God commands Israel, be holy because I am holy. To the entire people, be holy because I am holy. And he gave them the law and he gave them we could call them rules, we could call them laws, ways to live. And so, it, and God's call to them was that they were going to be a light to the nations around them. In Exodus chapter 19, he says, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. He called them to be light to the peoples around them. He called them to show people around them who God is and how great he is. And so this was the charge that he gave to Israel. And Israel spent a lot of time not living up to this. Israel would turn their back on God. They would turn their hearts from God. And then God would send a prophet and they'd turn their heart back to God. And then they'd slowly turn away from God and they'd stop doing what he said. And they would turn to other gods. And so... Israel spent about 800 years in captivity, and the prophets told them, hey, you guys got to get your act together, because God is not happy with the way you are living. He's not happy with who you are. And so this is the context in which Jesus walked into, where Israel knows that they need to follow God, and that they need to do what God has said. And so the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, had actually memorized what we would call the Old Testament. They knew it verbatim. They knew every word. They knew everything that God had told them to do. And so they would try to figure out, this is what it means to follow God. And somebody else would say, no, I think this is what it means to follow God. And so when Jesus came on the day, he was identified as a teacher. He was one of the people who came and and told us what it means to follow God. Now, he was way more than that, but he was a Jewish rabbi. And so I hope that you'll join me in Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. I want to look at who Jesus was, what he said he came to do, and what I believe that teaches us about holiness. And so in Luke chapter... Sorry, I wrote it down in my notes in Luke. It's in Matthew. 
and I actually had to scurry around and change it before the service. <laughs> Matthew chapter 9, verse 9, as Jesus went on from there, he saw the, a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. Well, Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house. Many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Matthew was a tax collector. Tax collectors were generally looked down upon in the time of Jesus. They were people who collected taxes for Rome, and they were generally considered people who were unreliable, and people would have considered them liars and cheats because Rome wanted a certain percentage, and they could get anything they wanted. And so they were, they were viewed as sinful people. And so Jesus goes up to Matthew and he invites him to come and follow him. And that meant that Matthew was going to literally learn everything that Jesus was and everything he said about who we should be and how we should live. Now, as a Jewish rabbi, you really didn't want to be caught at a dinner party with sinners and tax collectors. That was bad form. You really, really didn't want to invite one of them to come be your disciple and to learn about who you are and to carry on the way that you were going to teach people how to follow God. And yet Jesus invites Matthew into his life to be one of the 12 closest people in his life who is going to learn everything about him to follow him. And the Pharisees are being really petty. Because instead of going and talking to Jesus, they go and talk to Jesus' disciples. Now, in Acts, we are told that Jesus' disciples were viewed as unschooled, ordinary men. So it's not beyond the realm of possibility that the Pharisees already looked down on Jesus' disciples. Because the Pharisees were the best that Israel had to offer. And the disciples just simply were not. But they go up, and they're being really petty. And they ask the disciples... You know, why does your teacher eat with sinners and tax collectors? Why is he willing to hang out with these unholy, unrighteous people? And so Jesus hears them, and he tells them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners." And I love, I love Jesus' response here. One, because if I were Jesus, I would have just let the Pharisees have it time and time again. And Jesus is patient. Now, he also called them a brood of vipers. But Jesus is patient. And he quotes Hosea 6.6. Hosea 6.6 is, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, an acknowledgement of God rather than burn offering. And there is some idea that occasionally rabbis would quote a part of a verse and that 
they wouldn't just be quoting that. They would be quoting, they would be invoking the entirety of the passage. So some think that when Jesus quotes Hosea 6.6, that he's not just quoting, for I desire mercy, not sacrifice. He's quoting the entirety of the passage. And that in this, Israel was in captivity, and God called them back to repentance. And they had offered sacrifices in the hope that it would just appease God, that their idolatry and their unwillingness to live for God, that he would just be happy by offering, by them offering sin offerings. And his response was, for I desire mercy, not sacrifice, an acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. In other words, I want your heart and I want you to learn who I am more so than I just want empty gestures. And I think what we see with the Pharisees that they, they knew every law that God had given them. And they knew how to use the law. They knew how to exploit the law. They knew how to to do everything that God had said. But when you take rules and you try to be morally upright and then you remove God's heart out of it, it's not the same. And they had used the law to exalt themselves and to exploit others. And Jesus said, I didn't, I didn't just come for, for you guys. I came for everyone. I came for the people you're not even willing to acknowledge exist. I came for the people who can't go in the temple because they have a debilitating skin disease. I came for the people who have nowhere else to turn. I came to show who God is and what he values. And so Jesus said, I have not come for, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And there are some who think that when Jesus said that I have not come to call the righteous but sinners, that he is talking about the Pharisees are the righteous and the sinners are over here and I have come for the sinners. There are others who think that Jesus is simply saying, I have not come to call the righteous but sinners. You guys think you're righteous, but you're really sinners. So I, I'm talking to you too. I don't really know which interpretation is right, but I do know that we see the heart of God and how Jesus came. That we see the heart of God and how Jesus, God was not satisfied just to let us be to our own devices. He was not satisfied just to give us these laws and then for us to be completely unable to restore the relationship. Rather, Jesus came in order to restore us back to God. He came to show us who God is, to show us God's heart, to show us who God is and how he loves us, and to show us what God desires. And then he went and he took the sin of the world, even though he was holy. He was called by, holy by God. He was holy in that he was morally upright. And yet he went to the cross and he took our sin and our shame. And Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 1, or 2 Timothy chapter 1, 
He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. That we have no shot at holiness except that Jesus went to the cross, he defeated, and then he rose from his own tomb, he defeated death, he defeated sin, and in doing so, God calls us holy if we are in Christ. Not because we are holy, but because Jesus made a way. He cleansed us, he purified us, he made a way for us to return to God. And we are holy not by our own effort, but by Jesus' effort. So that our holiness is not based on how morally upright we are, but our living for God is an outflow of who we are in Christ. So that our, our actions and our attempts to live as God has called us are not based on whether or not we sin or whether or not we live for him, and that defines whether or not we're holy, but Jesus has made us holy. And so what we do is an outflow of who God has made us and who we are in Christ, so that then we live for him, so that then being changed every day by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and by Jesus' renewal within our lives and our hearts that we live for him, that he has purified us and made us right with God. And Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Anyone who is in Christ is a part of the global body of Christ. We call that the church. The church, capital C, big church. The global body of Christ. And the global body of Christ has been called holy because Jesus has made us right with God. And so we have been called to tell of the praises of him who brought us out of darkness and into his wonderful light. That is why we seek justice, because Jesus was not simply willing to let people be distanced and pushed to the side because, because they were not good enough or because of a certain characteristic that people don't like, but because God has called us to go into the world and to be light and to show light to people who have no hope. And God has called us to go into the nations where you can be killed in the name of Jesus and to go and to tell people of the goodness and greatness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he has called us to live for him. And he has called us to be light in our communities. And he has called us to go forth and to tell people about the holiness and greatness of God.
Every week we, we take communion. Every week we set aside time in our service where we remember Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection for who he is. Peter said that once you were not a pe- once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. That we have been called and saved by Jesus. Paul said in 1 Corinthians that whenever we do this, that we proclaim the death of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ until he comes. On our best day, we are never holy enough or righteous enough or good enough or fill in the blank enough for God. And so God sent Jesus to come and to be our payment. But he called us to so much more than that. So this is a time when we remember Jesus' death and resurrection, but we also remember who he has called us to be in Christ. We remember who he has called us to love. We remember who he has called us to show his light to. Let's remember Jesus together. God, I'm so grateful that that on our worst day, that you still love us. I'm grateful that on our best day, that you still are our atoning sacrifice. May we, may we live as people who are sold out for you. May our lives and everything we do point to you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.